Good morning and welcome to episode 48 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue. I'm hosted by hosted by co-hosting with John Shipley. How are we doing, John? Doing good, man. It's a great day to host you. It's, <laughs> it's always a good day to host you. No, man, I'm doing good. It's nice to have a little little break with the Jags, you know, in Detroit for a few days. And then we won't be back at it until uh, next week on site. But I mean, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, that break's been nice. Like we were talking before, the break from like between practices is almost better than like that three week stretch between mini camp and training camp. It's nice. It feels nice. So we only had two practices to go to this week and last week. Next week is four again, but then the regular season starts. But football's back because the Jaguars just played the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. One twenty eight to three. So Jerry Jones can't figure out Doug Peterson. <laughs> Certainly not McCarthy. <laughs> Doug Peterson owns Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I was going to say the Calvin, something about the Calvin really era. But <laughs> yeah, let's just get into uh, some takeaways, John. What was, do you have like a biggest takeaway that's not clear, stands out as a clear number one? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that we can, you know, you and I talked about it some all, already before, but I mean, just the usage of, 13 personnel, you know, and 12 personnel that we really saw. I mean, you know, on, I think it was the second drive, not the first drive, because the first drive was a screen that saw Calvin really be so excited to block that he ended up being rebounded off a defender. And then uh, obviously the interception that, you know, it's a, I've never seen a preseason interception be dissected this much for, but except for, for a debate, you know, I, I personally, I buy Doug Peterson saying it slipped off his hands. I mean, when you watch the end zone angle, the ball is like really wobbling and stuff. And you're like, when you see him comes out, you're like, okay, if that was like a deeper throw, he he would have been open, you know. But I I, I refuse to talk about that play any further. I, I told myself, I don't I know. It sounds it. like you did all of the detective work and got it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, sure, like the ball slipped out of his hands, but like there was that one slip up. And then he was five for five the rest of the game, and the offense was looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean that. Obviously, the touchdown was a you know, nice play. It was good protection by the offense line. That two point conversion, I thought you know watching the broadcast that he overshot Calvin Ridley at first. I, I didn't think at all that that pass was going to Zay Jones in the back of the end zone. And that seems like a pass that they've been working on a lot, you know, especially in training camp, that like back of the end zone, like smallest window possible. Yeah, Lawrence always does a floater too. It, exactly. But I mean, I thought that we saw the offense, you know, kind of show some of its identity. I mean, I, the 13 personnel, you know, for those wondering, 13 personnel, it's one running back, three tight ends, now that they have a room with guys like, you know, Evan Ingram obviously leading the charge, but then Brendan Strange and Luke Farrell, it seems like they're more comfortable with having, you know, those heavy tight end formations on the field. You know, last year, yeah, I, I know they ran 12 personnel at, you know, top 15 rate in the league, but I know they weren't a 13 personnel heavy team. That's because, you know, they, they had two limited guys and Dan Arnold who could only run routes and couldn't block and Chris Manhurts who could only block and couldn't run routes. Whereas Luke Farrell and Brendan Strange, they think can do both. And I mean, Brendan Strange won, I mean, blocked his ass off, you know, against uh, Dallas. It was 
a game that you know probably summed up what his rookie year is going to look like. He saw three targets. Like him and Kevin Austin were the only ones who saw three targets, and they combined for like <laughs> it was like two catches for eight yards and six yeah. targets, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like about a yard of targets. So, but. As a blocker, you know, other than the one hold he got, I thought he was fantastic. I thought Luke Farrell, other than one missed block on the Tank Bigsby short yardage run, was fantastic. And Evan Ingram kind of showed why he's a difference maker because he showed that, you know, he can block from several alignments. He can flex out to the slot. He can work out of the backfield kind of as an H-back. I mean, it just – they look to me like an offense that is going to be much more diverse, much more – you know, flexible and a lot more like an Andy Reid, you know, offense, you know, obviously Doug's an Andy disciple, you know, we saw a ton of 11 personnel from the Jaguars last year. And that just, that didn't really feel like, you know, obviously a lot of Doug's concepts, but it didn't really feel like his identity that, you know, we saw the Eagles, whereas what I think you saw against Dallas is a lot closer. Totally. I think Ingram is like, obviously not Kelsey, but he can be asked to do like, a lot of the same things from a route running perspective and just from like a drawing up a play perspective. And so like, I feel like the Jaguars were then when they drafted strange, like Peterson was probably looking for his version of like Noah Gray more than he was like a Dallas Goddard, Goddard honestly, because like, as we've discussed, like we're not going to see a big impact from Brenton strange in his rookie year, or maybe even his first few years, but he will have like a not small impact in terms of being like a minor chess piece for the Jaguars offense, like a Christian Kirk light almost. And um, like Kirk is much more in terms of like matchups, like who he's facing up against, like literally across from him. But then strange is kind of more so like when him and Farrell come onto the field at 13 personnel, forcing the defense to choose between, oh, we're going to be heavy on defense and like have a bunch of linebackers and linemen and pay, possibly be susceptible to the pass or we're going to have lighter bodies out there with defensive backs and be more susceptible to the run. So I think with Brenton Strange and with Tank Bigsby and all like the short yardage stuff there, like you're seeing the Jaguars try to lean into that a little bit as like a just a schematic twist basically to use in games. And like you can't like be that kind of offense like we're just any tight ends, you know, you need guys who can live in line and guys who can really, you know, who can block defensive ends and inside linebackers. And, you know, to both their credits, it looked like they block well. I mean, I'd even say Evan Ingram is, you know, I, it, it feels like he doesn't get any credit for his blocking, but I mean, I, I, I thought last year, you know, for most, for the most part, then against Dallas, you know, he, he can hold his own in that regard. I agree. Like, I think among all tight ends, he's, like, average but holds his own. But then against, like, the receiver-type slot ends that he's often billed as, he's probably above average compared to, like, the Mike Gusecki's and everyone else of the world. He's, yeah. He can definitely get in there, like, in the line when he's asked to. Mike Gusecki's not a football player. <laughs> That's also true. That's my thing. Dolphins tagged him last year, and then we were like, what, what are we supposed to do with him now? <laughs> Just didn't do anything for him. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, And then – Outside of like the usage of the tight ends and and then I thought I thought a few other things were interesting. I thought Christian Kirk's utilization was interesting. You know, he didn't play any, you know, twelve or thirteen personnel snaps against Dallas. Like he only played eleven personnel. So he was basically only, you know, a slot receiver. You didn't see that at all really the year before. Like he played a ton of snaps last year because it was like, okay, <laughs> you're gonna have him or Marvin Jones, you know 
on the field with Zay Jones. And obviously Kirk would offer you some things that Marvin Jones didn't. But now that you have Calvin Ridley, you do have like two outside guys to where Kirk can kind of be a slot only type guy that maybe he wasn't able to be last year. And I'd imagine that means like maybe fewer routes for him, but I'd say it's mostly less run blocking snaps, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure how much that actually changes how often he sees the ball. Yeah, I think he'll be more efficient just based on like the offense in general, probably being pretty good in 2023 with like improvements from Ridley and everyone or Lawrence and everyone plus Ridley. But like he's just gets so many like high leverage opportunities that his efficiency is going to be good in that regard in terms of like down the field vertical targets from the slot, but also like on third and fourth downs and near the red zone. So, like, yeah, as you're saying, I agree. His snaps are going to decline a little bit because of Ridley, but, um, like, his route running snaps probably won't really change too much. Yeah, no, I, I think that ultimately, you know, you probably see him get, like, the same volume of probably targets, but, you know, like, he will honestly probably be better late in games because he won't, you know, be running nearly as many routes and as many snaps. And then outside of that, how to use like the running back room was very like it was very obvious, you know, how they yeah. were kind of seeing the running backs. It, like Travis Etienne got what like five of the first six carries. Yeah, and then it was third and their first third and one. They were like, "Tank, get on out there with thirteen personnel." Here comes Don't the Titans with you. <laughs> then gets tackled for no game. <laughs> <laughs> like it, when we watched the play, it was like like I said, it was a missed block by Farrell. It wasn't Tank actually like had leverage on the other like defender it would have been like probably at least a 10 yard gain if Farrell had like half of a block on the linebacker but it was still so funny that they were like all right first <laughs> short yardage here comes tank to get it just stuff immediately <laughs> i was like that's the most jaguars thing it was really good it, the hit came out of like nowhere too it looks like he was gonna have a wide open path and was like full steam ahead he but- should have <laughs> <laughs> he like had the same kind of tackle as like Ridley on that screen block on the first play. He just got rebounded backward. Yeah. So, but I, mean, I thought Tank ran well overall. But look, it was, you know, Travis is going to be the lead back. You know, between the twenties, I think it's obvious. And you know, I, I'd imagine the splits like, like if you want like the finance a split, it's like seventy thirty, maybe seventy five twenty five. You know, Tank Tank will obviously play more in just short yardage roles, but his like when it's like, oh, this guy's definitely going to be on the field. I think it's going to be the short yardage situations. And then Jermichael Hasty, you know, when you saw them get in the red zone and going to empty, he's the guy you saw go on the field. I think he's going to play most of the, you know, like the obvious passing downs. And I mean, I I think those are three pretty easily, you know, defined roles. Totally. I feel like Hasty is like the guy in the backfield that not enough people are talking about. It was like the same way last year where people kind of didn't realize how many snaps he was really getting and how many routes he was running. And I feel like it's kind of going to be the same thing. And then to go back to those receivers real quick, like I feel like Zay is pretty underrated in the fact that like he's going to be playing almost every single snap as like one of their two outside guys and will only really ever come off the field in like those 13 personnel situations. And then, like, because opposing defenses have to worry about Ridley and Kirk and Engram and ETN, like, he should be able to take advantage of pretty much any matchup that he gets, which is almost always going to be, like, the worst that the defense has to offer. So I think, like, they're going to – kind of like Brenton Strange almost going to play, like, 
significant small roles. No, that, that, that's a good point. He probably will see like the worst like cornerback, you know, on the field most snaps. That's, that's, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. I think, you know, obviously they weren't going against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. It wasn't a Cowboys starting defense, but I thought the offensive line like did did what they were supposed to. I thought Anton Harrison played a lot better than I anticipated. I, I did not think – I thought he would have some, like, welcome to the NFL moments. Right. Again. He had, what, like 12 pass blocking snaps and, like, zero pressures allowed? Yeah. Like, I, I, I know it's Dante Fowler who – by yeah. the way, Dante Fowler is still in the NFL. <laughs> Credit to him. I didn't see that one. He's, like, low-key been, like, not producing big time, but, like, producing okay the past few years. Yeah. And, like, again, I know he's not Micah Parsons. He's a backup pass rusher. He's still, like, the best pass rusher Anton Harrison's ever played, like, in a game in his life. And Anton handled him. You know, he was aggressive and physical in the running game. He was smooth, you know, quick feet in the pass blocking game. He has a solid anchor. Uh, You know, reports from people who are there in Detroit today said he did, you know, he had a solid day against Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, it it seems like, you know, obviously there'll be some growing pains somewhere. But it seems like he might be more ready to play than maybe, you know, anybody. And obviously, he's going to play even if he's not ready to play. But the fact that he might offer a little more as a rookie than you would expect could be a pretty big plus. Yeah, especially if he starts out fast and, like, they don't – Calvin Ridley, like, doesn't necessarily start out, like, on fire, then it will be big to get, like, quick production from at least one of those two, like, new starters. But – yeah, I definitely thought like it wasn't going to be a perfectly seamless transition from Jawan Taylor uh, at right tackle over to Harrison, mostly just because like Taylor was a near All Pro, or maybe just Pro Bowler last year, uh, and Harrison's like even though he has a good profile, a rookie's a rookie. But like all that said, Saturday was definitely impressive in terms of just like how smooth everything looked. He looked like comfortable over on the right side, and I feel like. Uh, offensive tackle is kind of like cornerback because they get compared a lot because like they are such a reactionary position and they always always have people like running at them but also like you know they have a good game if like there's not really a lot of chatter about them so like until I hear like see a headline that's like Anton Harrison blows three plays or whatever like it's a good sign to like not see it Uh, let's play some uh, bulky ball Okay. Would you rather have Jawan Taylor or Anton Harrison, a third round pick and seventy million in cap space? I would rather have Jawan Taylor and Walker Little, as we both said. No, answer the question. Answer the question. Answer the question. You just got. Massive. I think I'd rather have J- Jawan. Really? Like I kind of think that they like went with the other option because like they have a quarterback that they have to pay pretty soon. But like, if it wasn't for that, then like, I don't think Jawan's price tag was like so out of reach that they couldn't have like kept a homegrown guy. It's a lot of money you can do with other things. That's true. I like, I don't think there's like a right or wrong option, honestly. Yeah. But <laughs> just Jawan was like a good, cool player. So I would have been well, good to keep him. You just got masterclass, nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless. New segment. It's just called Bonky Ball. <laughs> and you tell me that I've been masterclass at the end of every segment. <laughs> <laughs> You're darn right. You're darn right. You're darn right. I mean, 
Otherwise, on offense, I thought, like, just some of the other things, like, I observed. Like, Dearness Johnson's obviously the fourth back. Like, he got in the game before Snoop Connor. Snoop Connor, I think, averaged, like, barely two yards of carry. Like, last preseason, it was the same thing. So, like, even in the preseason, he just – that that pick just kind of looks, you know, DOA at this point. You know, it, it kind of looks like, you know, it's already written on the wall. I thought Seth Williams made a couple of nice grabs. Jacob Harris obviously had the really nice catch. Uh, Elijah Cooks, you know, had the impressive grab. Play Camps played better than I thought he would, you know, because, I mean, Mozzie Smith was still playing. Uh, Cooper Hodges, you know, I thought had an impressive outing. Like, I almost think you have to have him on the 53-man roster at this point. And then I thought Kevin Austin did himself, you know, like a, like a decent amount of harm. Like, several other receivers stood out, and – I don't know, like that one target that it was like maybe a drop, maybe it wasn't. You know, it, it could go either way, but still, it, it felt like, you know, a night where so many other guys took advantage of the opportunities, he did. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think the – if you had to predict the death chart right now, what would it be after Agnew and Washington? Like, do you think anyone overtook Tim Jones in the past week? I think Jacob Harris is close, man. I think so too. I did not think I was going to be saying that a month ago. Jacob like, Harris, yeah, I think Jacob Harris is close. I think I noticed like either yesterday or the day before, like he got like bumped up a little bit in terms of like when he was running his routes. He did, yeah. He's like he was like went in with like that first group of like the second teamers and stuff, whereas he had been like most like with the last team and most of training camp. So I, I, I think Jacob Harris is close. Yeah, I think it's between him and Jones and then Cooks. Yeah. Tim Jones would have had like a 40-yard catch, too. Like He had like a really nice <laughs> nine route. And then the ball was just <laughs> – you can see it on his face, bro. <laughs> the paint on his face. Is no, the Pether to Jones hookup has not been working this preseason or just this summer. No. No, it has not. Yeah, I almost felt bad for Jacob Harris because I felt like his like spotlight was taken away because he had like the play of the game up until Nate Rorke went in and just pulled some Minshew magic out of his butt. I mean, that doesn't like their offensive depth. It seemed like like for the first time, like so in past years, their first string offense was like a second team offense, like to begin with. So yeah. once their backup offense went in, it was like pure like slop ball you know yeah. like it, it it wasn't anything and they actually felt like a preseason game that could keep people engaged this year which i felt you know says a lot about you know their death and where it's came in the last couple of years hey they did their part on defense too when deuce Vaughn was going off they, they made it entertaining on that side of the ball Dude, the, the Cowboys, we'll talk about the defense here in a second, but they did like Cooper Rush such a disservice. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was brutal. They were, the Jags were going after him. It, it, it was hilarious that Zach Martin got paid like a day or two later after like, that left guard just being like sent to the moon over and over again. But we'll get to the defense here in one minute. First, going to hear from our sponsors. Gus. Obviously, like we said, backup offense. Yeah, I had several people at me and be like, you're concerned about the pass rush? Look at what they just did. And I've, I, I, again, you know, I, I, I welcome anybody to go look at what the Cowboys offensive line was. I can't tell you the names off the top of my head because, again, none of them were names I'd ever heard. 
up until that point in my life. And names you can't see them because they just simply weren't real. We're never getting here again. You know, like they were, they, they, they were going against plumbers and like electricians yeah. offensive line. <laughs> but they did what they were supposed to, you know, like the Von right. Hamilton absolutely took a guy's soul a few times. Yeah. Robson Harris, Trayvon Walker, get home on a stunt. It, man, if you watch the game and you're like, I just want to watch Trayvon Walker's reps. It really makes you like, I guess we'll start off with this. It made me uneasy about the season he's going to have, not because of anything he did at all, but because he's playing the most useless position in the defense, I think. Okay. Strong, strong side outside linebacker. He is either he's getting chipped by tight ends on most plays or he's dropping off into coverage. And when he was rushing the passer, you know, obviously it, it was just a preseason game, but it was pretty much all quick throws and stuff. And I'm like, unless that guy's just sitting in the pocket, there is nothing that this position can do to make any kind of impact in this game whatsoever. In the passing game. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, like I feel like that's like part of it is that like they're using his like using him for the run game more first, just because like the difference between him and Chason, if you trot out Chason or Abdullah as a run defender on the edge, like Chason has improved since he was drafted. But like I think like the reason that the Jags defense had a pretty big improvement in the run department last year and that they'll probably continue to improve is that like. They don't really let up like anything on the outside. They just like funnel everything in and let like uh, Foye and hopefully this next year Devin Lloyd just kind of play cleanup. So, like I don't disagree with you, but I'm, I was just trying to play like devil's advocate. No, no, and and you're right. You know, like against the run, definitely is able to be more impactful. But I don't know. Like I was just watching through the lens of okay, let's see, you know, how Trayvon looks, and I'm like, wow. Almost every one of these snaps is completely useless. <laughs> like there's nothing going on. Like it's, like you say, it's not a him thing. It's just I'm like, dang man, I, I, I don't know. Like you know, if he's ever able to be unlocked and just be able like to actually move up and down the defensive line, I feel like he like the perception of him would be so much different than it probably will be. The perception could at least be like, oh, there's still hope for him out for him yet like across the country, but like, I yeah. feel like it's just like, Oh, I'm never going to hear about this guy again. Cause he plays on the Dallas defensive line third string. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, defensively, you know, again, it was first string against second team. So some context is needed. I thought Devin Lloyd like looked like much more instinctive, you know, mm-hmm. he, obviously maybe the neck pad helped, you know, <laughs> I was going to say the neck roll definitely yeah. helped. I, I I mean, he took on like a fullback, you know, in the hole and, you know, made the tackle. And it was, you know, an impressive rep from him, regardless of which offense you're facing. So I thought he had uh, an impressive outing. And I thought, you know, guys who really stood out, you know, overall, Greg Jr., like, like you know, we've talked about, he's got to be locked into the 53. Yeah. yeah like he's got to be in the fourth corner at the very least, right? I was already like – my eyebrows were raised when the unofficial death chart came out and he was like the backup nickel behind behind Trey Herndon. But like the coaches have talked him out for talked him up for six months now. And he's like clearly playing in like the second string spots. Um so like he just feels like a lock and he's going inside and out, which like I feel like they they love their versatility. So the fact that they seem 
actually comfortable with him in both spots. Yeah. So it goes Campbell, Williams, Herndon, and him would be like locks. 100%. Then you're talking about guys like Devon Campbell, Bonteric Brown, Chris Clay Brooks, you know, Eric Hallett, Christian Braswell for those other spots. I I wouldn't count out Christian Braswell. They are really like, I, I know he had, he's had a hamstring injury. They're super high on him. Like, it, yeah. it, like extremely. And he had a good game against Dallas. He recorded an interception. Like, he has really good movement skills. You know, he can play outside. He can play inside. Hallett, somebody who he can play. Like, it, it seems like they're going to have some tough decisions to make. I was going to say, Defon Campbell, uh, like, had a really good play yesterday when after the Jags moved inside at camp. Yeah. It was, I think it was another uh, Bethard to Jones attempt, but it was, like, a really good play. Uh, he's got, like, a good frame and long arms. I, I, I feel like he's uh, definitely in the mix. Beathard and Jones. <laughs> Beathard and Jones, man. And, I mean, I think probably the biggest guy who stood out in terms of like, the sheer impact they were made, would you, would you say it'd be like Yassir Abdullah? I would say that was at, at least like the most surprising yeah. that I saw, like above expectations or whatever. Same. He he looked better in the game setting than he's looked like in in camp and stuff. But that, that sack he made, he made a nice like little dip move around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously a high effort rusher, and yeah, you know, Caleb on Chase on you know kind of plays the same role Trayvon Walker does, but with the backup defense. So you see Abdul is the one seeing a lot of those one on one blocks on the edge and stuff, and it you know really set him up well. And I I think if they can get anything out of Yusir that be a positive, you know, like anything out of him as a rookie, because you know, you'll probably get smoot back the second month of the season. Maybe something happens at the J. Davion Clowney visit, you know, maybe something doesn't. It seems like at this point, that's a lot more just checking to see where he's at and doing the due diligence, due diligence yeah. than anything. But if you see, can give you something, I think that can help at least, you know, offset not the loss of Arden Key, but just the loss of like pass rush death in general, make you feel better about what happens if Trayvon or if Josh Allen, you know, miss any time at all. But and then Caleb on like again, you know, I watched him the same way I watched Trayvon. And there's a lot of the same stuff, like a lot of dropping in the coverage, a lot of taking on chips and running back blocks. But like the times he was like getting one on ones, it's just like there's Nothing really, nothing really happening. Yeah, I'm excited to see, like, what kind of magic Mike Caldwell can cook up and, like, how he can scheme these guys up between Walker and Chason and Abdullah and, like, these guys. Because, like, Smoot and Allen are, like, the only guys that can, like, win consistently one-on-one. I feel like, like, Smoot's pretty underrated in that regard in terms of just, like, he's actually got, like, a pretty good bevy of pass rush moves. But, like, I one Caldwell was asked a couple weeks ago about like the transition in practice from going to pads. He was say like brought up stunts on his own and was like, yeah, we'll be able to actually like see what some of this stuff is going to look like. So we saw like one instance of it on like second and 10 on the Cowboys first drive on that big sack. Cause like Josh Allen just completely plowed someone and then Devon Hamilton like wrapped around and seeing Ham like do the wrap around was pretty hilarious. Cause it was like, it was going in slow motion. 
He's so explosive, dude. Yeah. It was a great, like, play design, though, and then obviously a great execution to get the sack. Or I think that stunt that I'm describing, actually, is on, like, the third down after the sack. Yeah. But there was still, like, a cool blitz from Cisco to, like, get them into that, like, third and long before the play that I just described. So, like, I think Caldwell is going to kind of have to have some stuff up his sleeve, and I'm excited to see what it is. It definitely feels like he's going to throw a lot of different packages out there to kind of offset for the lack of, like, two alphas or anything like that, which, you know, and, like, it feels like this age, this day in the NFL kind of feels like more to norm than anything else. You know, like, it it feels like – yeah, it it feels like those multiple defenses, like, it's the new, like, thing. And those, like, like defense like the Jets who are just getting home with four guys is kind of like the, the new rarity. Yeah, you definitely – because, like, the thing is, like, once you get to the playoffs, like, sure, if you're, like, front four is really elite, elite, then maybe you can get home. But yeah, you've got to, like, mix up pressures and coverages and just try to do your best to confuse, like, these elite quarterbacks and just try to get, like, one good break and one takeaway. So, like, that, like, sim pressures and, like, all that stuff is definitely, like, the world we're going towards. What's your stance on the, uh, the climbing visit? Uh, I mean, he's like the best guy left on the market because he's like the only guy that's like actually interesting, but also not 33 or 34 years old. So his knees uh, are though. Like if he's obviously like there would be interest and he would take a visit because he's open to taking like a non-starter role. So like with that assumption, I think it would be a cool signing mostly because of the run defense because, like, the focus should be on the pass rush, but, like, you would, like, be pretty sweet in the run game and, like, potentially be, like, a huge factor on, I feel like. I'm surprised that they had him in for a visit, honestly. Like, not not because it's surprising that they were, like, doing that homework on pass rushers, but between, like, his exit in Cleveland where he was outright, like – no, they're letting Miles Garrett get too many easy matchups so he can get sacks. Yeah. <laughs> and like that literally getting him cut from the team. And then like him going on record saying he hates playing in three, four defenses in the past. I didn't like I didn't think he seemed like a fit, but I mean But then he interviewed or visited with two, three, four defenses in Jacksonville and Baltimore. It's so. it's all it's August sixteenth, man. I was about to say it's it's about that time of the <laughs> Rinse do. Yeah, rinse do. Yeah. <laughs> It, it beggars can't be choosers, and that probably goes for both parties <laughs> at this point. I honestly feel like if they were going to sign Clowney, like why Clowney? Like you could have gotten probably like someone else a little better earlier, like a Justin Houston or a Yannick. Like if you really wanted like that type of guy, I, I think he'd be cheaper. Yeah, I just like don't understand like what saving a couple million really does. Yeah. You're a kid. I so like, I guess I was like a little surprised by it too, and didn't really like like I wasn't surprised when he walked out of the building like without a contract. Even though some yeah. people were like, "Oh, what are they doing?" Because <laughs> I feel like at this point, not tying him to a chair. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> it, it, it kills me if you you let him leave. <laughs> Don't let him leave the building. <laughs> nah, I I. I I feel like they're going to wait either for like a potential trade candidate, which like that could take a while or 
like cut day um and like maybe theoretically some team has like a deep uh edge room like the Niners would be the only one I could think of but like if there's an interesting guy then they can just like try to scoop someone up that's like what they did with Hasty last year do the Jaguars have any players who you could see them getting draft picks for around cut day oh gosh yeah that's a good question yeah I don't. I feel like maybe, probably not the receivers. Would well, the draft compensation even be like a seventh maybe. rounder for Elijah Cooks? Yeah. Maybe a seventh rounder for Elijah Cooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's new this year, right? Yeah, he's on draft free agent. Yeah. Right. So like I th- I feel like he would be way more interesting than Kevin Austin, even if they've like played around the same level and Kevin Austin has improved. Like the fact that it's um Cooks is like a guy that scouts were kind of just looking at and have fresh fr- fresher eyes on might make him a little bit more appealing. I mean, we we expect them to have a lot of guys claimed, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of like what other positions, like offensive line, like Cooper Hodges. Like they traded for Cole Van Landon last year. Right. Like, there'd be a deal like that. Yeah, could somebody trade for Blake Hans? <laughs> don't, don't laugh at that. He's... No, I was about to agree with you. But the Hansonator. Laughing. Yeah. I, I'm thinking too hard you about just, that. Move on. <laughs> you just got enhanced. <laughs> yeah. Just different segment bits for roasting me. That's <laughs> the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> hang it with Mr. Whatever. Hey, hang it with Mr. Cooper Hodges. <laughs> no. Alright. Go um, ahead. You want to talk Lions? Ah, I, I do. I do want to talk Lions. Alright, let's talk Lions. What where, where are you looking out for uh on Saturday's game? I mean it feels like the starters aren't gonna play much, right? No, I, I feel like one full drive is like the max. Or like, I don't even know. I feel like it's it, probably going to be a pretty big inactive list, though. Yeah, because it seems like they're basically playing games like this week in practice. Yeah, true. Yeah, like they're getting a ton of reps against the Lions starting offense and defense. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll be on the lookout, you know, for reports of – you know, it seemed like from people that were there, you know, on the ground that the offense had a particularly strong day against, you know, Detroit's defense and that Detroit's offense also, you know, struggled. I saw, I think it was either Britt Martin or Stuart Weber said Devin Lloyd had a one-handed interception of Jared Goff. You know, I know they said Calvin Ridley scored a couple of times. Trevor Lawrence was mostly, you know, on fire. It, it, it seemed like the Jaguars had the better day of the two teams, which – I mean, considering the Lions like mopped the floor with them <laughs> like less than a year ago, I mean, that's a pretty good sign, right? Definitely. I think, especially too, because like the Lions are a huge like trench warfare team and like definitely built through their offensive. Well, I guess I don't know how many people I can name on their defensive line, but definitely for the offensive line, like their O line is easily top five in the league and pretty physical. So, like, I think that'll be like something that to watch for on Saturday is like, the physicality up front and then like the diverseness of the run game. Not that we're really going to get too many like scheme stuff out of week two of the preseason, but 
Detroit just has a really good run game and really diverse run game. So seeing like whether or not the Jaguars can come up with different answers will be something to see. Yeah, no, it, it definitely feels like like when you go back to that game against the Lions, like the Jaguars just got out physical on like both lines of scrimmage. Yeah. And it seems like like from at least reports what we saw today in today's practice, they stepped up in that regard. You know, and I thought against Dallas, you know, they looked like a more physical team. You know, just some of the pieces they've added, you know, it seems like they have a little bit it just seems like they have a little bit more of an edge to them than they did last year. You know, at least offensively, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And you know I, that that that's why I think joint practice is kind of a good thing. You know, you can kind of see where you are just in terms of that intensity and that physicality. And like I said, the Lions like smacked them around. You know, in the trenches last year, like they like especially the Lions' offensive line versus the Jaguars' defense. Like it it was bad. And if you know they're gonna get better and be able to beat all kinds of different teams, you know that's where they need to improve. That was the only note that I had on it was just the physicality up front. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was I mean, going to say St. Brown, but like he got injured today. So like, there's no way he's playing on Saturday. Are so, you, in- are you interested at all in the Aiden Hutchison, Trayvon Walker narratives? There's narratives. <laughs> yeah. Number one pick, number two pick. Mm. I-, I thought you were like saying like you were like comparing them. Yeah. Well, but just like saying like unnecessary things <laughs> that are too too soon. I don't know. So no, it doesn't really interest me. Like they're on like opposite sides of the ball. And yeah. They, and they don't touch the ball. So unless one of them actually like touches the ball on Saturday and gets like an interception or fumble or sack, then like I, I, I am interested in seeing how like both of their careers play out. But like especially with Hutchinson, like because he was kind of tied with the Jaguars and a potential Jaguars pick. But in terms of, like, the Trayvon versus Aiden matchup, like, this week specifically, then it's preseason. Would you, have taken, would you have taken Hutchinson? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I would have taken Scott Gardner. No, yeah, okay. I was going to say, <laughs> if I give you a time machine and you can go back then, you're, you're playing bulky ball. Who are you taking? Are you taking Sauce Gardner? I like uh, Thibodeau, honestly. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I didn't really, like, do enough film grinding to actually have a strong take. But if, like, you made me pick one, then I probably would have p- picked Tibbs. I like Tibbs, too. I mean, it's just – it's, like, impossible to compare, in, like, how they would look. You'll never hear the Jaguars. like give any actual like public statement like on how they feel you know about making that decision between the two Mm -hmm. but i mean i I do think they're going to be compared for the rest of their careers i i don't think there's ever going to be a year that goes by where walker and hutchinson aren't compared at least in some you know aspect in retrospect yeah i because i expect both of them to be like pro bowl level players all right, here's my question. If Nathan Work has a great game against Detroit and C.J. Beathard struggles, competition heating up? Uh, I would say, like, there would be, like, talk about a competition heating up, but, like, if I'm the Jaguars, there's no competition at all. Like, if anything, Work would probably be, like, a good, like, candidate for that, like, trade for a seventh-rounder list. So, 
because like I don't know if the Jags are going to carry three quarterbacks into the 53-man roster. But. I love how much Canada loves Nathan Ward. <laughs> All these people are just popping up. They're like, dude, I'm an NFL fan. And I'm from Canada, and I love Nathan Rourke. He is a rock star, bro. They're, they're showing his games at Canadian football games. He's a rock star. Yeah, he reminds me so much of Minshew, though. Like, not just of like that one pass. I was like, had some Minshew magic, but he's just like so skittery around the pocket after like one full second. So like, I feel like in the preseason, like that's pretty fun. But when it comes to the regular season, like if Lawrence went down. I'd rather have like the stable veteran presence or whatever of Bethard. This third string quarterback from Canada reminds me so much of the guy who started 20 games for the Jaguars. And the sad thing is it's true. Yeah, they've got like actually similar playing styles, but like now like it's actually like fitting for like where they are on the death chart. Yeah. God. Right place, right time. I mean, I guess Minshew was a six round pick rookie, so no, nah, yeah, yeah. I mean, expected. Man, I mean, in terms of like position battles, I mean, I I, I feel like we hit it all. I, I don't expect Ben Barch to play. You know, he's off the pop list. He wasn't practicing, you know, this week. So I think as you get closer to the end of training camp, you probably see him like ramp up more and more. I. I would assume if you're going to see anybody play maybe a little longer, maybe it's Walker Little and Anton Harrison on Saturday, just because both of them need game reps. Anton being a rookie and Walker playing like nine full football games in the last four years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how like little actual action he's gotten for how long he's been in the league. Now. I mean, I, I got a story on like that on Jaguar Report today, and Phil Rauscher was like, "Yeah, last year was basically his rookie year to me, and now is like now in his third season is when he can kind of start coming into his own." Yeah, so. I, we talked about last week. the The ceiling is a roof for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> runner, runner, big, runner, big. Okay. Well, Gus, is there anything else from this riveting preseason that you want to get off your chest? Any hot takes you got? Uh, my hot take is that Calvin Ridley scores a touchdown in the first half of the Colts game. Just because, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets off to a <laughs> – what? Just tell me. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets off to, like, a not even slow start, but not a blazing fast start in the regular season. But I do think, like, he's just, like, so, like, antsy to get the ball that, like, I feel like he's just, like, destined to get, like, an early touchdown. And so that's almost like a wave of a relief. And it's like, okay, now we can just like, I got my one. Now we can just like go out and play. But he's just the kind of guy that's like always open, even when he's not. So like, it's funny to see him after plays. Like he's not like complaining when he doesn't get the ball, but he's like, yo, I was open every time. The bold stance to say the Jags best player might score a touchdown in the first game. All right, first quarter then. I was going to ask you. It was too if it were if it was not hot enough. <laughs> no. It's cold. Okay. It's cold, Gus. I need to stick first, it in the microwave. I'll change it to first quarter. On like one of their first two drives. Hey. Okay. All right. I'm not burning the roof of my mouth on it, but it's Well I, 
I can I stop it out of it like 30 seconds ago because I didn't have a hot okay. take. So that's what, okay. That's what's going to get written down. Okay. You. I'm going to say Ridley first quarter touchdown. All right. Hot take. You writing this one down? Yep. Aiden Hutchinson, six sacks in 2023. Why are you so obsessed with them? <laughs> Put it down. Put it down. Six sacks. Yeah, 2023. Because you're 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 making me do this. Some one of us has to play the game, right? So how is six sacks a hot take? Is that like lower than expected? I'd say so. How well? What do you think is expected from him? Like nine, ten, ten? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I like that take. <laughs> Why? Well, I don't think that's not hot either. Because like half his sacks. God, there three sacks in one game last year that we both agreed were like not real. But. There were daggers in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what the preseason has brought us to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess you got anything else for us before we head out until we come back next week to review the Jaguars trouncing of the Lions? Oh, is yeah. that a hot take? Uh, oh, no, it's not even a hot take. It's just gonna happen. Watch out, uh, God. Who's who's their backup? Nate Sudfeld. Mm. Yeah. Watch <laughs> out, Billy. Watch out, Nate. Yeah. Nah, nothing else. Till next week. All right. Till next week.